Welcome to Solution Focus Possibilities Podcast. We want to help you have more productive conversations in whatever area of work or life you find yourselves in. What better way to do that than to invite you into our own conversations as we discuss our solution-focused practice, our different experiences and findings. We hope you find this helpful, useful and inspiring. Welcome to our podcast. So with all the stuff that's going on uh, in the news and across the world at the moment, it would be a bit weird if we just ignored it and carried on as normal. So we're going to try and have a bit of a conversation about it today. Uh, Not that we're experts in this in any way, and I'm certainly not an expert in diversity. um, And I'm certainly not an expert in solution-focused practice either. So I kind of feel like I'm entirely the wrong person to be uh, trying to facilitate (laughs) a conversation. But... um, I, I guess a, a good place to start and feel free to go anywhere you want with it is is just you know what's your general thoughts about what's going on at the moment um, and does solution focus uh, have a place in trying to help with some of these things that's a great question I mean I, I yeah. think for me the the biggest thing is like standing out and I suppose I don't know I might have a different perspective on it from my own experiences and like coming from the states and everything is is just how much like I don't know like we might think, mm. oh, diversity and you know people of color, and it's like yeah, you know we've heard about it, we've seen it, and you know we've heard people talk about it. But I think the more and more this stuff is happening, the more like experiences you hear people sharing, and I think that's the biggest thing that's kind of taken me aback is just having a totally new perspective on it all. I mean things like <clears throat> what is it? There's been a couple of posts on social media that stand out. One being um, a black man who wants to go for a walk in his neighborhood but feels that he can't do it on his own. So he can only go out because it's a predominantly white neighborhood. And he only goes out when he can take his fluffy little dog and his his young daughter with him. Mm. Because otherwise he doesn't feel safe and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him and things like that. And like, I don't know. I think when people talk about like white privilege and everything else, it's like, that's the stuff from our perspective, I suppose we take for granted and we don't really realize like that anytime anybody, you know, a person of color goes out, they're potentially on edge in that same way, like wondering, you know, it doesn't have to be in their neighborhood. It could be just going out to do anything. Mm. They're, they're concerned and worried about, yeah, what the reaction is going to be. Yeah. And I think and that's just, what's difficult is it's yeah. such a, such an alien experience. To, I mean, I've never felt like that at all. So it's hard for, mm. to even throw your, your opinion in the mix, isn't it? Cause I just, just got no experience of it whatsoever. Mm. and I think that's a I mean to be fair I think that's a good starting point mm. for us to be able to just say like we don't have that experience so we're not going to try and pretend like we do and like we understand that and I think that's where for me SF works like reasonably well because we're not going to say we're an expert on your life or your experiences I think it's that idea of we have no idea and actually this this kind of I don't know makes it even more stark that like makes it stand out even more to actually just say we really have no idea and i suppose it's that yeah. bit of and could we still be useful or supportive not feeling like maybe i don't know like we've got all the answers because we won't have them and it wouldn't be right probably for us to impose our answers 
on, on somebody else. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. where it comes to solution-focused approach being simple but not easy, because it's a non-normative approach. But of course, us humans, we are normative. We come from our own context. We have our own experiences, assumptions. And it's it gets very easily in the way to assume how people are living their lives without checking in with them first. So, for instance, when we ask a miracle question, we might assume that a person has a place to sleep, that they have some privacy and bed, but they might not. Um, so it comes to different social locations, like where you are and where your client is. And I guess I agree with Greg when it comes to us not having experience because we are not maybe not exposed to such diversity or maybe we're working only with certain target groups and then you develop this sensitivity of what to ask and what to inquire and what you simply don't know. Um, and we all have so much to learn as new target groups, new um, people raise their voices uh, in wish to be heard. Yeah, I think that point of... Um you know, solution focus is built on the practitioner not being the expert is is really sort of highlighted here and keys to this as as Greg and Bieber have said. So um, you know, really the develop sort of recent developments have really sort of highlighted how you know how little we know really and uh, but that's not <clears throat> that doesn't get in the way of solution focused practice. Um, you know, that's actually hand in hand with it. So so not knowing isn't an issue for a solution-focused practitioner. In fact, it's you know, potentially an advantage because the person we're speaking with, the person we're working with, is the expert on their lives and what they're doing. So actually, taking that not knowing position of just saying, "Well, that's you know, this isn't something that I have expertise on," you know, does fit with um, solution focus. You know, I think. Um, you know, one of the things I've been reflecting on personally in terms of you know recent developments, sort of opening our eyes more and showing us how little we really do know is um, you know one example is you know I'm I'm a member of uh, a church called All Nations, which deliberately attempts and prides itself on being a really diverse, multicultural church so it's it's in their like mission statement we want to be multicultural um that's why they chose their name as all nations uh, and if you go there is you know we've got so many nationalities and languages present in the congregation <clears throat> and yet if you sort of take a step back and think about it a bit harder you go oh hold on most of the leadership team are white mm. middle class <laughs> and this is a church that is like really proactively trying to be multicultural and yet even there in that context the leadership is still predominantly white middle class so it has there has been this process at least for me of again re, you know realizing more and more how how little you know we do actually grasp and do actually know about this um but i think that is you know as we said that is where solution focus can be helpful in that it is an approach that doesn't require knowing and expertise, you know, to be helpful. It doesn't require being an expert on this stuff in order to be helpful. It requires, um, you know, listening well to other people's stories and other people's languages. And it requires trying our best to ask helpful questions, but it doesn't require expertise. And I think that's where it can fit and can be helpful. 
Greg's Greg's got that look on his face. I know. Yeah, he's sitting here. He is. He's he's been leaning back. So I can't help that. I can't help that. I don't know. I mean, there's just there's just something that stands out to me. I suppose around solution focused practice and just generally human beings, how we want to be as people. And I think when we don't know something, I think that's. I suppose it's that bit of listening first, like we always do. Like we would ask a question. And, and we would listen. And I think that's some of the stuff that, that makes the biggest difference more than anything else. And if, if we're listening to people and kind of, you know, it's the whole meet them where they're at. But it is that notion of like, yeah, just the simplicity of, of listening and not just reacting or dismissing, but actually, yeah, kind of putting our hands up to say, yeah, I have no idea. I think sometimes that can be be the biggest thing before we even get get to our questions but i suppose i'm yeah i don't know if that's specifically related to, to sf practice as much as it is just when being confronted with something new and and the challenge is our way of thinking and our way of viewing the world are we are we willing to hear it and listen and then think about something because then that that changes you doesn't it and then you know that's going to have the ripple effects no matter what and then we'll be different afterwards yeah and I think a lot of uh, harm can be done with um, good assumptions, such as trying to be helpful. And in helping professions, that's very predominant, the wish to help another human being, another person. And the way of doing so is often leading in bigger distress and a person feeling helpless because somebody else does something on their behalf. So um, we wouldn't... In SF, we wouldn't try to do anything. All we would do is ask questions so that uh, a person has, in the end, if we get our questions right, more possibilities so that they can, for themselves, decide where to go next, what to do. Which, of course, when it comes to social justice, opens up a whole lot of questions. Are we, who are the practitioners, helpers, the ones asking questions, are we in the position of being agents for change or not? Mm. I mean... Quick question about questions. Um, <laughs> when the, when you ask questions, are they um, how generic are those questions, or does having a good understanding of the individual and their background uh, does that help you with the questions that you ask, uh, or could you not have any experience or any any understanding about them and their background and still ask generic questions? Uh, how how much does your understanding of someone's culture come into play when it comes to the kind of things you you ask? I think for me, there's that that notion of the questions the questions work if they're generic. So things like when we do training, we'll put an exercise up, and we you know we don't know anything about necessarily the people in that room, and. Um, in terms of when we set that question up and when they practice it, they say, wow, that was really useful. And at the same time, when we're then talking with people on an individual level and asking them our questions, the more contextualized and, and detailed they can be, I think the more powerful they become. So I think they, they can work generically without knowing anything. And I think once you start to hear more about someone's context, then... I mean, I suppose a simple example would be something like if a parent was struggling with their child and and you said, oh, and how would you hope to be when things get difficult? 
you know, how would you hope to be responding to them instead? Then that's one way of asking it. And like, they could think about that. That could be useful. And from another standpoint, if we knew, like, I don't know, say after school, well, I don't know, after school, now that it's quarantine and lockdown and everything else, but, you know, the afternoons are particularly difficult and it's that bit right after lunch. So it would be, you know, okay, so let's, if you were tomorrow right after lunch, kind of cleaning things, tidying up things and Johnny had a little bit of a, an outburst or started to act out, how would you then hope to be responding at 1230 tomorrow when you're in your kitchen kind of thing? So I think the more detailed things you can you can bring into your questions the more powerful they become yeah so we're not saying that you need to be as you said before an expert in that situation but having a, a good understanding of of someone's background is a helpful thing still i think so yeah. i think the context can come into it i don't think we need to have i mean we wouldn't be spending like hours and hours getting to know somebody or assessing someone mm. um but I think the language people use and the, the information they give you as you're talking with them creates that picture of, of that person's world while you're talking with them. And I think it's it's on us to make sure we're using that um, in the best way possible to be as useful as we can. Yeah, it's a difference, uh, isn't it, between knowing something, say, about a person's life in terms of if you work with person with a disability than if you've had previous experience that you might uh, have this sort of sensitivity that they do their lives differently than you do um, and knowing better so knowing what they should be doing and how they're doing so that comes in a way in solution focused practice that sort of knowledge of knowing better um, so in a sense of not knowing anything might be even more helpful because it only helps you concentrate on the questions. So how are you going to ask them? And of course, this how you're going to ask the questions, this comes with sensitivity towards another human being, um, which I guess develops with having experience with certain um, cultures, uh, social backgrounds, races, uh, gender orientation, disabilities, all of the diversity. I like that word, that not diversity, diversability, because includes um, also people with disabilities into yeah, growing your own corpus of uh, finding ways of how to learn clients' language better, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so part of the usefulness of understanding about other cultures isn't because you can offer solutions and things. It's more about being able to have a shared language. Is that is that what we're saying? Is yeah, that fair think, to say? I think language is critical in, you know, solution focus. Um, in in true solution focus possibility style, I'm probably going to disagree slightly with um, what the guys have said there. Go for um, it. You know, I, I still maintain that, um, you know, if for pure solution focus practice, um, that sort of understanding, I don't think it is necessary because it's a really it's a really really neutral approach at least that's how i view it in that we're not bringing you know anything of ourselves or at least we're trying to limit what we're bringing of ourselves and the, and the key to it is listening intently for the client's own language and and building that into our questions into our, our dialogue <clears throat> and if i sort of you know use a couple of uh, other examples then I, I think it matches i bring it across but you know when we're watching tapes of our sessions um, 
trainees will often say things to me like, oh, look, you're, you're matching their body language, right? Your body language is exact, exactly the same as the client's. Um, or they might say to me, oh, you're matching their pace and their tone. You're speaking at the same pace. You're speaking at the same tone. Um, and clients will often, you know, feedback from them is, you know, you really got me. You really understood me. But I'm not consciously trying to do any of those things. I'm not consciously trying to match body language. I'm not consciously trying to match the pace at which they're speaking. And I'm not consciously trying to understand them. All I'm doing is I'm putting a 100% effort into listening for their language and building that into my questions. You know, so for example, if a client uses the phrase, you know, I'd be on fleek. Okay, it doesn't matter that I don't really grasp and understand that. But as long as I build in that term and that, that language into my questions, then that's what uh, fits and that's what builds the, uh, the rapport, I think. And that's what leads to, you know, if I'm putting all my focus and energies on listening intently for the client's own words and own language and building that into my questions, then the rest will follow. The rest follows naturally. You know, you watch and you see that I'm doing the body language and the pace and the client feels understood. But all I'm doing is listening for the words, listening for the language and building that into questions. So from that perspective, you know, I don't think having, you know, a, a huge understanding of the context is necessary for solution focused work. So for you, all you need to know, you can kind of pick up within the session itself. Yeah. Okay. No, I was going to say, I don't, mm. I don't think I disagree with that. I, I think it is that idea of we're not necessarily... Oh, go on, Greg, disagree <laughs> No, no, with I'm, I'm saying I, I don't. I don't disagree. I think it's that idea. It's thinking about the language we're hearing and how, how we use it more than anything else. Because we can, we can... I don't know. What's the best way to describe it? I think the more language we, we hear from someone, it's, it's kind of like when you ask a question like, oh, what are your best hopes? From our talking, it it you know, a lot of times that I, the first answer is more around things they don't want or around the difficulties, and then we ask more questions and say, okay, what would you want instead, or how would you know what difference would that make if that was to be different, and you know, questions to to kind of carry that conversation forward, and yet throughout you're you're hearing all that language that you can then bring back into to, to kind of further questions, so I suppose it's that idea of staying with that language as as close as we can for me and not losing some of that stuff because it, it's still like painting like an accumulating picture for me and it just i don't know i thought that's probably not the best way to articulate it but i suppose I'm, I'm trying to hold on to as much of that language as possible because then when i ask more questions it's almost like and what would you be doing within the face of those challenges like even if those challenges are still there then how would you hope to be be responding differently if you were, you know, the way you want it to be and your hopes were achieved kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So in that sense, as a practitioner, doesn't have the knowledge, but it's the skill, isn't it, to learn clients' this language quickly and then have the flexibility to react in a sense of incorporating their words, their pace, their body language, without the intention of copying or doing it because of the report. It just happens with um, the sensitivity of their language. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, as we know, people don't fit exact molds um, anyway, do they? Like, mm. we could have a lot of knowledge or understanding about a certain culture or community mm. or whatever, 
uh, but the person in front of you is never going to be an exact uh, representation of that, uh, despite all the stuff that you may know. So I guess mm-hmm. that could be a danger even of uh, bringing any of that prior knowledge to something, to a session, because the person in front of you is not going to fit that exactly. So you're doing the very thing you don't want to do by assuming a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's where the um, discipline <clears throat> comes in that Ben was, I think, referring to, is that the discipline of putting all that effort into hearing that person in front of you and doing our very best, whether they're, you know, regardless of what color they are or what their, you know, their background is, to, to try and not make those assumptions mm. about people. And if we do make assumptions, trying to make them helpful assumptions rather than ones that are going to be counterproductive to, to the conversations you're trying to have. Mm-hmm. What would be some of the the useful assumptions, Greg? Well, all the standard, I'll say all the standard SF assumptions, but, you know, things like people are doing the best that they can in, in any given scenario. So, you know, you're not going to assume somebody's just lazy or they're not really trying and they're just coming to us for them to, you know, wanting us to fix their problem. It's, you know, now they're, they're doing the best that they can. They have abilities and, and strengths and resources that have helped them get this far in life and they'll have those that'll be able to help them kind of continue forward with things. And I think that's that's where it's our job then to use our language and, and the questions to kind of co-create that really with them. I'm sort of, I mean, I'm thinking out loud a bit here, but I'm sort of building on. So it's solution-focused is, is deliberately pursuing a not-knowing position. So, you know, Greg was earlier talking about, you know, just on a, on a human level, the sort of response to this should be to to listen yeah because we don't understand to listen but actually if you know if you're working from a problem focused uh, position then your listening is because you're seeking to understand and then you know to be able to be an an expert or to be better placed on it you're seeking to understand um you know to be able to then offer a solution or diagnose or whatever but whereas, yes, solution focus perspective, we're also listening, but we're never seeking to reach that place of saying, yeah, I've got it. I understand this. I'm an expert on this. We're deliberately pursuing a constant not knowing position. So, you know, take this to, you know, you could be working with your your best friends who you've known for most of your life and you think you know all about them. And yet, if you're doing solution focus work, you still maintain a not knowing position. You know, I, I think to some um, introductory training I did recently um, with a, a good colleague of mine who I've known for many years, and we, we demonstrate the solution focused approach when we're doing this introductory training. And, um, you know, we've done that conversation time and time again. He knows me very well, and it would be very easy. Um, you know, for him to start dropping in things like, so, you know, how are you getting on with your um, Albanian language lessons? Because he knows I'm doing that. You know, how are you getting on with your, your guitar, go, you know, doing your exercise routine? But no, he maintains the not knowing position, even though he knows me really well. And then out of that comes some really interesting answers. You know, so for example, one of the things he didn't know is that we've started embarking on this fairly wacky journey of trying to write a book within a few months, um, which Greg Beaver and I are, are having a go at. Um, so, <laughs> Greg is doing this. 
Um, okay, yeah. So um, if if we were even if we're working with someone that we know really really well, we still maintain that not knowing position. Yeah, because things come out of it that we just we just wouldn't know. Yeah. So another example is when um, you know I was being interviewed by this colleague. Um, I started to talk about work that I'm doing in Luton, you know, working with sexually exploited women on the streets, trying to help them find housing and go to rehab. And there was stuff in there that he didn't know, you know, even though that, that he does understand me and know me really well. So from a solution focused uh, you know, perspective, we are deliberately pursuing and maintaining a not knowing position, you know, even in circumstances where we do think we have a, a reasonable knowledge of something. So I think that's that's where it's different. And I'm, I'm going to throw this one back to Greg because the original comment from, came from him. But so it's this idea of yes, on a human level, we we should all start with listening. What's different is that from a problem focused perspective, you are listening in order to try and understand and in order to try and become more of an expert. Whereas from a solution focused perspective, you take this view that I'm always going to be listening. I'm deliberately pursuing a not knowing position continuously so throw that over to greg see what he thinks i suppose for me i suppose the the listening side of it as the, as the starting point i suppose for me i'm kind of talking about maybe two different things one being the issue of racism and and things like that and my position as a a white male um not knowing anything about that so i think from that standpoint if i'm trying to to understand that and learn more about you know my impact in, in that regard then Yes, absolutely. I want, I want to listen to to get a better understanding. I think from a, the standpoint of going into an SF session with someone, then, yeah, I'm going in to, to listen to the language they're using and doing my best to, to respond to that and ask the useful questions around whatever answers and responses they're giving me. And I think trying to maintain exactly what you described, that, that sort of neutral, not knowing position and managing you know, any assumptions I might be having and trying not to have those because I, ideally I'm listening so hard that all I can hear are the words they're telling me and and just hearing that rather than doing anything else. I don't know if that really answers answers the question. But yeah, I think I'm not listening in a in a session or in, in, in training to to understand like well, yeah, where where sort of people are coming from so I can understand a problem. Definitely not. I think it's more, yeah, the other stuff outside yeah. of that in terms of, of racism and understanding people's experiences. Yeah. I, just going back slightly, Ben, you were using the phrase about, I uh, can't remember exactly, but always being in a position of not knowing. Do you think there there is a danger or could be a danger of the solution-focused approach almost being slightly removed and a bit cold because we're not going there with the personal stuff? Even if we know something about someone, we're not going to talk about that. Um is there a danger of it just being a bit generic, generic questions that haven't got a lot of heart or, or personal connection to it? Is that a risk, do you think? It's very interesting. And we do get this feedback occasionally on trainings where people would say, oh, it's all technique, isn't it? It's all the, those questions are all the same old, same old. And every time you do the session, you ask the same sort of thing. And it's funny because very often from clients, we would hear that they felt very listened to. Um, and in a sense, you would think as a practitioner, yes, you're doing the same thing. 
And it's always different because you would always use the client's language, which will be different from client to client. So sort of embed those two together. So the questions that you know what you're doing in the process or you kind of hope that you know what you're doing in the process. Um, And there seems to be something around. And I think microanalysis has some solid evidence in that sense. Uh, that testifies why is it that people feel listened to and it has to do with using clients' language. So if, say, for instance, if I talk with you and you use my language, I would have a sense that you really get me, that you really understand what I'm talking about, even though in your head that's irrelevant. And even if you tried to understand, you probably wouldn't. But for the process, that doesn't matter because it's about me, isn't it? It's about my answers and it's about me hearing the answers that I've never given before and the possibilities that I open up can be huge because of your questions, because of your listening to me. Yeah, and I think I think for me, because that language that's being used is that person's, the answers they're saying out loud, like it's all about their world and their lives and I wouldn't use the same language with one person that I would use in the other, I mean, apart from like your standard, what are your best hopes from our talking? That would be standard. But as you build those questions, they they have to become different for each person you're talking to. And I think that's why people give that feedback of, you know, that's that's really you really got me. That really connected with me. That was so useful. So essentially, what we're saying is that the the questions aren't generic at all. Um, they, you know, they are very individual and different every time because they are um, inherently intertwined and linked with the client's very personal language and context. So if, you know, even if we ask, even if we use the same words, so even if we say, you know, what difference would that make or what else, um, even those questions are different and specific and individual every time we ask them, because they are specific to that client's particular context and that particular point in the conversation. Yep. Yeah, perhaps uh, generic questions was the wrong phrase I used. Um, I think it's just such a different approach, isn't it, to what so many people are used to. Like, I used to spend weeks sometimes, um, Mm. well, actually not sometimes, it was even part of the program, was that we would spend a long time just getting to know each other like really diving into the person's story their you know what they like what they dislike hobbies all those kind of things and that was a a way of uh yeah trying to trying to assess yeah. in a subtle way the problem uh but also just showing that you were really interested and you cared and tried to make a connection uh, and i guess when that stuff is removed um can it feel like the, there's not a lot mm. of care in it I guess that might be something people are wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was a helpful question. You know, we've certainly heard people um, make the comment of these questions seem very generic. You know, in, in the past in the training, so it's definitely something worth you know looking at and addressing. And um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I I love. I've said it before, but I love the simplicity of this approach. Um, it's it's hard to practice and it's hard to fine tune. It's hard to persist with. Um, but the essence of it is is simple, and I and I love that about it. Um, and I often say to people, I just don't think you know. I just don't think I'd be clever enough to do all that other stuff, you know, to really 
get to understand someone understand their problem and their likes and dislikes and all the rest of it um you know a um, i'm probably not clever enough to do that accurately and b you know in my working week and day i probably wouldn't have mm-hmm. enough time for it either um <laughs> so i love the time efficiency of solution focused and i love the simplicity of this um you know this whole idea of just focusing in on really paying attention to this one thing which is the client's language and the words that they're giving us yeah i remember i think it was chris iverson who i heard it from first but he was saying what like what better way to be more useful to someone than to talk about the things they want to talk about and where they want to go in life mm-hmm. so i think it's kind of you naturally build up that connection with people as soon as you start saying well what do you want <laughs> And uh, just yeah. take it from there. It's making me think how much time did I waste <laughs> just, you know, spending a lot of time doing those unnecessary, you know, those unnecessary steps of just trying to get to know someone way too much. When you're yeah. right, that, that might not have been the right thing to have done. It's a different um, perspective, isn't it? I mean, some schools would think um, that translating body language and getting to know a person to really connect with them and build rapport. There, there are theories that um, underpin those assumptions that this is a useful thing to do. And then, of course, you as a trainee, you would spend a lot of time trying to learn that. So if a client raises their head, what does that mean and what you should do as a practitioner? And if they lower their voice, should you do the same? And some theories would say, yes, you should do the same because then there would, there would be this alignment with, between you and client, which is beneficial for your relationship. And uh, yeah, in, in SF, as Ben said, we just don't think about this. We'd rather do it than think about it because if as soon as you start uh, trying to read between the lines what's going on between you and the client, that impacts the way how you listen to them. So you stop listening to what they're saying and you start translating what they're saying into what you should do to react. And yeah. We're probably, I mean, I'm certainly not clever enough either to have those two parallel and it just becomes a bit messy and yeah, then you lose the essence of what you want to achieve by really listening. And I think that's from an SF standpoint, that's, I mean, we don't do it because we don't, we have a different take on it and that's why we do what we do. But I think it's not to say the other ways of doing it aren't as valid. I mean, that they still work for some people and some people prefer that. It's just... From a practicing standpoint, that's not what we choose to do because we see what we do is just as as useful, if not maybe a little bit more useful. Yeah, and I think the danger that lies within that is when you have this uh, theory-guided practice is that you start thinking, if this client has done this, I should use this with another client too. And then sometimes it's going to work and often it's not going to. And then when clients don't respond the way you expect them to, then you can easily blame the clients as being resistant, not compliant, uh, and other words that I don't want to even use. solution focused practitioner world what is the the kind of is there much diversity within the 
approach or, or no? No. no. <laughs> Not at all? No, no. I mean, you only have to go to, um, the, you know, the main UK conference and take a quick look around and you'll see that, you know, the vast majority of um, practitioners there are whites. Um, you know, the representation from, you know, BME groups is very low. And that's, you know, that's obviously something that um, we'd like to see change. Um, how best to do that is is an interesting question, you know, how best to encourage that. Um, you know, certainly I don't feel like I have all the answers um, and I'd love to you know, hear from others with, with suggestions. Um, and I know, you know, us as a tree, you know, trio solution focused possibilities, um, we'd love to support that if we can. And we'd love to hear some you know, suggestions from people of how best to do mm. that. This is going to be an intentionally ignorant question. Um, mm. I feel like my job on here is just to ask staffed questions, by the way. <laughs> You're very good at it. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> very good at it. Thanks, people. <laughs> Was that a compliment? That's a total I'm compliment. Sorry. I'm like... Mm. <laughs> It, no, they're, they're very useful questions, Jamie. Whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, guys. You fill me with such confidence. Um, well, let me ask a silly question then. If it if it doesn't make you a better practitioner and it doesn't um, ultimately make the experience better for the person you're seeing because you're not bringing culture and you're not bringing your own experience to the session, uh, if those things don't really matter, why should we be seeking more of a div- or more diversity within solution focus practice? What does it bring? <laughs> For me, it makes me think more about everything else that comes before that. So in order to to get to a position where you are, you know, confident or comfortable attending one of those conferences or doing this type of work, it's about what access do people have to, to various things? What support do they have? What encouragement do they have? You know, is is a talking therapy, is that like a, a white person's construct kind of thing? You know, we don't know. We don't know how that relates to to other cultures and other communities um but i suppose it's that idea of i suppose looking more at ourselves probably in our in our field to say how how supportive are we in the first place and 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 that sort of thing and i think for me that's that's where the importance comes in more than anything else because it's if we're trying to be equal in every sense of the word are we are we doing that yeah and that and i think that that's more important yeah it's such a good question. At the core of our mission of us three is to inspire the next wave of practitioners, by which we mean we would deliberately want to take solution-focused practice away from professional uh, occupations such as therapy, counseling, because this is a privileged position of well-educated people who can afford to acquire professional certification, which usually costs a lot of money and not many people have access to that and there we go we have a very specific strata of society who can do it and then there is whole other community that could be- massively benefit but they just don't get the access because they're not properly qualified if you um, if you know what i mean so we are deliberately trying to take this practice to the next wave uh, so to people who work with people and why because we people benefit from having more choices like for instance if it was only uh, orange and green and i really want purple and but purple isn't there i might just settle for orange 
So it would be good enough, but why not having the whole rainbow um, so that people who could benefit from SF conversations find the best person who can uh, understand their language as easy as they can. And then, yeah, hence we could have a better world, hopefully. That sounds grand. It'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, great answer. Like Bieber says, our passion is to reach the next wave of practitioners. You know, we've spoken in the past about you know wanting to train taxi drivers, hairdressers, you know, youth workers, people out in the community. So I think um, that's the wider wider mission, and absolutely the the BME representation I think is wrapped up in that overall passion and desire to see solution focused just um, reach every nook and cranny of society and be available you know to everyone taking it away from that you know sort of white coat and clipboard therapist um, you know in a, in a small office space um, and putting it out into the community so you know that is that is really our, our passion so to go back to your original question um, I don't think it's so much about you know the the practice being more effective you know, depending on who's delivering it it's more about wanting it to be accessible to as many people as possible you know, and for it to be accessible both in terms of practitioners people using it in their settings and also people receiving the benefits of that nice do you know what that was a, a beautiful end ben I don't think I could uh, come up with anything better than that. So I think that's a good place to end. There you go. Um, but just to say, you know, we've always said that we want to learn from other people. I know uh, we're trainers, or you three are trainers, uh, but you also want to learn stuff. So mm. if there are people who are out there who've listened to this, have got any other insights, perhaps from different cultures and communities than what we are, we'd love to hear from you. So... Uh, feel free to to get in touch with us. Do you want to give them the email address, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, I hesitated because I had a bit of a mind blank. <laughs> God. I thought I'll just edit, edit that in at the end. Um, you know, it says info at sfpossibilities.org. So, uh, yeah, I knew it was in there somewhere. Uh, so, I mean, if people want to message us in any other way, they can as well. So we're on Facebook and Instagram and all the others. So feel Brilliant. free to message us good chat guys that was hey. good yeah it was a good one wasn't it yeah 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 I mean there's lots more that we can talk about obviously we didn't touch on half the stuff uh, but I mean I'm sure that is going to come up again in future episodes so yeah absolutely yeah okay thank you everyone and uh, thank you guys we'll see you again soon great sounds good see you guys <laughs>